Outstanding. Thank you, Brady. I love that song so much. Brady knows that. Sunday, I said, now, before you go back to to college, I said, I have a request. That's all I had to say. <laughs> he sung that song for us tonight. So thank you, Brady. I, uh, it just thrills my heart. Now, if you would, open your Bibles with me first tonight to Matthew chapter 11. As I began seeking the Lord's message for tonight, I obviously thought about the Lord's table that we'll eat in just a few minutes. And I also, my mind had turned to being thankful since tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day. And you know, there can't be a better holiday, a holiday better suited to believers than Thanksgiving, can there? How much we have to be thankful for. It's just innumerable. David said, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they can't even be reckoned up in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they're more than can be numbered. I have uh, a lot of trouble falling asleep. I always have. Even when I was a little boy, I had a lot of trouble falling asleep. And my mother would tell me, go lay down in bed and start counting your, your blessings. You know, that takes a long time, doesn't it? It takes a long time. We're so blessed. And I was, have been thinking about this, even when the Lord sends us trials. And many of us are going through those things now. You know, we still have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Because when the Lord sends us a trial, you know what he also always does? He keeps his promise and sends his grace that's sufficient. And that's just a sweetness that you can't experience until you need it. Lord's God puts you in that time of trial for you experience the sweetness of his grace being sufficient. So with all that in mind, it occurred to me to look up the times that our Lord Jesus gave thanks. And I found four of them. And I want to look at those this evening before we take the Lord's table. And I want to be thankful. I want to be thankful for, you know, so many things, but... I think it's especially right to be thankful for the things that our Savior said he was thankful for. Don't you reckon? So first, the Savior gave thanks for sovereign mercy. Look here in in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 16. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It's like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we've piped unto you and you've not danced. And we've mourned unto you and you've not lamented. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath the devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous, a wine-bibber, and a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. You think of these folks, they heard John the Baptist preach, and they heard Christ the Savior preach. You think of that. Verse 20, then began he to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Tyre and in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom 
in the day of judgment than for thee. Now the Lord upbraided all of these pious, pious, pious religious people for their unbelief. Like I said, they heard John the Baptist preach, the forerunner of Christ. They heard Christ himself preach, and what was their reaction? Pick, 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 pick. They just picked them apart. Instead of believing what they preached, they just picked them apart. They had all the right form of religion, didn't they? They were very pious, very, very devoted to their religion. They were good theologians. I just bet you they were good debaters. They liked to get together. They were good debaters. They studied the scriptures. Now they knew what the scripture said, you know, and Herod wanted to know where the Christ would be born. Oh, they knew. You know, when the Savior asked them about Christ whose son is, they knew. They knew what the scripture said, didn't they? They studied the scriptures, not so that they'd know Christ, but so they could impress folks with their knowledge of the scriptures. But the Lord was not impressed, was he? He wasn't impressed because they didn't have faith in Christ. And these folks saw lots of miracles. And not just miracles that the Lord performed, although they did see, but they, they had the miracle of the Son of God preaching the gospel to them. They saw the miracle of sinners being saved when the Savior preached. I mean, just, I can't imagine. And people today, they want to see that, don't they? They want to see signs and wonders. They want to, to be so impressed with things that they, they see and, you know, hear preachers doing. But after all these people saw, I mean, they saw the real McCoy now. They still didn't believe in Christ. And the Savior rebuked them for it. Now, think about those people. And then think about us. To our shame, we're not as pious as those old Jews were. We're not nearly as devoted to the cause of Christ as they were devoted to the law. Not nearly. We haven't studied the scriptures like they did. You know, we're just too busy for that today. We haven't seen the kind of miracles performed you know, like they did, but now we, we've seen the miracle of God's grace. We've seen that, haven't we? But they saw bigger, more impressive you know, to the flesh miracles than what we've seen. They had a better head knowledge of the scriptures than you and I will ever have. Now I say that to our shame. But now they didn't believe on Christ. How will we ever believe on Christ? If they didn't, how am I going to believe on Christ? You want to know the answer? Sovereign mercy. Look at verse 25. Now at that time, after our Lord said all this and, and made all this plain, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now the wise and prudent here, those are skilled teachers and theologians. That's what the word means. The prudent, they're intelligent, having understanding. And that's what they thought about themselves. They thought about themselves as skilled teachers and theologians. They thought about themselves as being very intelligent and have a lot of understanding. Now, they were teachers. I mean, I grant you that. But they were teachers that didn't know anything to teach. Their understanding was darkened by sin. How could they ever teach anything right, you know? They thought they were so wise, they didn't need anybody to come teach them. 
They didn't need anybody to come show them the Father. They didn't need anybody to come save them. So Christ didn't come save them. Now the Savior here is not giving thanks that the Lord passed those people by, the wise and the prudent. He's not giving thanks that the Lord won't save those people. In Ezekiel, the Lord said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He, he's not giving thanks that those, that those people will not be saved. The Savior is giving thanks that babes, sinners, are going to be saved because God's going to show mercy to helpless sinners. That's what he's giving thanks for. The Savior is saying he's thankful for sovereign, electing, distinguishing grace for guilty sinners who don't know enough to be able to save themselves. Now Luke's account of this very same conversation, Luke said when the Savior said this, he rejoiced in spirit. It rejoiced the spirit of the Savior to know that the Father would show mercy to babes, guilty, helpless sinners. And that's what the word babes means. It means unskilled, untaught. It means dependent children. You know, from eternity, God the Father chose to save babes. And Christ came to suffer and die for spiritually helpless babes. That's who he came to save. And since that's true, verse 28, the Savior says, come unto me. Now, he, he just told us here about sovereign, distinguishing, electing grace, didn't he? And what did he say? Well, now, some of you got to stay away. And some, he said, come unto me. <laughs> Whoever ye are, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, you hear what the Savior of sinners says there? If you're so helpless that you can't save yourself, come to Christ. He came to save helpless sinners. If you're so ignorant, you're one of these unskilled, untaught, ignorant people that you can't see any reason why God would save you. Well, I tell you, come to Christ. And that what the Savior said. Come to Christ. He came to save people like you. If you've grown so tired of being under the burden of the law and, and trying to please God by keeping his law and you just can't do it. You can't do enough to make God satisfied with you and you're worn out by it. Tell you what to do. Come to Christ. He said, that's the people he came saving. Christ saves sinners by sovereign grace. It's not because of how much we know. It's not because how much we do right. It's not how good we are. God saves sinners by sovereign grace and grace alone. James said, God resisteth the proud. Those skilled, those wise, those prudent, he resisteth the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the babes. The message of sovereign grace simply says this, salvation's up to God. It's all up to him. You and I are in God's hand and he's going to do with us as he pleases. And whatever he does is right. He'll make it right. It's right if he damns us for our sin. That's God's justice. It'll be right. And the sacrifice of Christ makes it so that God's right to show mercy to his people. It's all in the Lord's hand. And I'm thankful. Aren't you? The Lord was thankful for it. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful 
for God's sovereign electing grace. I'm so thankful for it. It's the only way a sinful man like me can be saved. God had to choose me first. Christ had to come save me on purpose. It's the only way I can be saved. All right, now, second, look at Matthew chapter 15. The Lord gave thanks for the preaching of the gospel to the hungry. Matthew 15, verse 32. And Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I'll not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Now remember, this is not too long after the Lord performed the first miracle of the loaves and fishes. This is still fresh on on their minds, or at least it should be. And look at the question they ask. When should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? The disciples, I mean, aren't they just like us? Just like us. And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven fishes, or seven loaves and the fishes, and he gave thanks. And he brake them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were four thousand men beside women and children. Now, like I said, this is the second time the Lord performed this miracle, feeding a multitude with the loaves and the fishes. And both times the Lord performs this miracle. It's a picture of God creating new life in his people through the preaching of Christ, the bread of life. Now, before the Lord performed this miracle, this multitude had come out to him in the wilderness. There's a large multitude, 4,000 men, not counting women and children. I'm telling how large this crowd was. And they came to the Lord for healing. Everybody that needed healing, they came to the Savior and he healed them. He healed every one of them. Well, now it's the third day and it's evening. The multitude is hungry. You know, their day is not like our day. There, there weren't restaurants they could go to, you know. They couldn't call up Grubhub to come deliver them some food. So the Lord fed the multitude. He fed that multitude with seven loaves of bread and just a few little sardines, small fishes. And before he did, verse 36 says, the Savior gave thanks. Now that is more than giving thanks before we eat a meal. That's how we do. We always give thanks before we eat. The Lord is giving thanks for the miracle that he's about to perform and what that miracle pictures. The Lord took those loaves and those fishes and started breaking them in pieces. And taking the pieces he broke and handed them to his disciples. And the disciples turned around and gave it to the multitude. Now I'm telling you, that's a picture of gospel preaching if I've ever seen it. God's preacher, he gets in the study and he prays, he begs God, he gets in God's word and he seeks a message. Not just a bunch of true doctrinal statements, but he's seeking a message from God. A message from God for his people, from God's word. And when God gives it to him, you know what that preacher does? He just turns around and gives it to the people exactly like the Lord gave it to him. That's what these, that's what these disciples were doing. That's how God feeds his people, his hungry people from his word. And this is not just a, 
you know, a religious form, a religious thing that we do, this thing of preaching Christ. There's life-giving power in the preaching of Christ. And that's pictured here. The Savior broke this bread. He broke those few little fishes. And when he did, he created matter that wasn't there before. He created bread that wasn't there before. He created fishes that weren't there before. Those seven loaves and a few little sardines were enough to satisfy the hunger of everybody that was in that multitude. Because the Lord created matter. After everybody was filled, I mean, there's stuff. Think of that tomorrow. You sit down to Thanksgiving dinner and you, boy, you get done eating. You say, I'm, I'm not going to eat again for three days. I'm stuffed. When every, those 4,000 men plus women and children, when they were all stuffed, they had seven baskets full of bread and fish. They, they had more than what they started with because the Lord created matter. Now that's a picture of God's creating power that he uses in the preaching of the gospel. When God gives life to a dead sinner, one of those babes that the father chose to save, when he gives life to one of those babes, he does it through the preaching of the gospel. And he takes that word, the seed of the word of God that's been, being preached and he plants it in the heart of that babe and causes a new nature to be born. A brand new man who was never there before. That's God's creating power. Causing a, the birth of a brand new man. And that is what our Savior was giving thanks for. I thought about this yesterday. I give thanks for the preaching of the gospel in our day. You know, there were times in the dark ages, boy, you could just, you could never find it. You know, Bibles were, were written in Latin and locked away and common, ordinary folk like us couldn't get, all, couldn't get our hands on a Bible. And if we did, we couldn't read it. We wouldn't understand Latin. The gospel is preached in our day. And I'm thankful because that's the only way a dead sinner like me could ever know Christ. God sent me a preacher who was faithful to preach Christ, Christ alone. I'm thankful for the preaching of the gospel in general. Just wherever it's preached, I'm thankful. I'm always thankful to hear that, boy, there's a place I never knew these people existed. And there they've been, preaching the gospel. Brother Tom Harding found one in Wyoming or someplace, you know. Never knew this guy existed. Boy, there they are, preaching the gospel. Preaching. I'm, I'm thankful to hear that. I'm thankful. Because that means the Lord's still saving his people. The Lord's still feeding his people through the preaching of the word. God hadn't left us to ourselves. But I don't know if this is selfish or not, but I can't help but feel this way. I sure am thankful that the Lord's been pleased to have the gospel preached right here to us. I'm so thankful the Lord hadn't left us to our own devices. He could have took the gospel away from us, couldn't he? He could have put the candlestick out or moved the candlestick, what, they, what the Lord talked about there in Revelation, but he didn't. He has his word preached to us. That's something to be thankful for. Isn't it? God gives life to his people. God feeds his people through the preaching of the gospel. He's kept that for us. I hope we guard it carefully. I hope we do. All right, now look at John chapter 11. Here's the third thing. And this is, this is just thrilling. The Savior gave thanks 
that the Father hears him. John 11, verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now before the Lord called Lazarus from the grave, he prayed and he gave thanks. Verse 41 says he gave thanks that the Father always hears him. Now he wasn't giving thanks that the Father had given him power to raise Lazarus from the dead to perform this miracle because he hadn't performed it yet. He was giving thanks that the Father always hears him. This goes a whole lot deeper than this, this one miracle. He gave thanks that the Father had always heard him and that the Father will always hear him. He was giving thanks as the mediator, as the intercessor for his people. He was thankful that the Father heard him and believed him in eternity past. When the Father chose a people to save and the Son said, Father, I'll be their representative. I'll be their sacrifice. I promise you, I'll come and do everything it takes to save those people from their sin. The Father heard him. And the Father believed him. The Father was the one who first trusted Christ to come as a Savior. That's the reason the Father didn't wipe out the whole human race when Adam sinned. Because he heard the Son. When the Son said, Father, they'll, they'll fall into sin and I'll save them. I'll come and save them. And when the Savior came as a man, now, he was the Lord of glory. He knew he was the Lord of glory. He was always the Lord of glory. He always had the power, the omnipotence of God because he is God. So as God, he needed no help, did he? But as a man, he needed help. He needed strength from his father. That's the very reason our Savior was known as a man of prayer. Sometimes he spent all night in prayer. He's a man of prayer. And the Lord was thankful that the Father always heard him. The Father always sustained him so that he could obey the law. 
so that he could fulfill all righteousness, to make his people the righteousness of God in him. The Savior was thankful that the Father would hear his prayer when it came time for him to be made sin and to offer himself as a sacrifice of his people. He was thankful that the Father would hear him, that the Father would accept his sacrifice. He was thankful that once that sacrifice was made, the Father would glorify him. With the glory that he had with the Father before the world was, he was thankful that the Father would glorify him because his sacrifice was going to put away the sin of his people once and for all. That's why the Father was going to glorify him. He was thankful that over all of human time, the gospel would be preached and the Savior would call out to one of his people, Lazarus, come forth. Earl, come forth. Ralph, come forth. Charlotte, come forth. And the Father always would hear him and give life and call those people to come to Christ. The Father was thankful, or the Savior was thankful. When he returned back to glory, the Father always would hear him. He returned back to to glory, to ever live, ever making intercession for the sin of his people. And when he made intercession for his people, he's already giving thanks the Father would hear him. Because when he goes back to glory, you know what he's going to plead in his intercession for his people? He's going to plead his blood. He's going to plead his obedience and he was thankful the Father would always hear him. He'd always forgive his people. He'd always save them. Now if you're a sinner, saved by grace, you trust Christ. Doesn't it thrill your heart to know, aren't you thankful the Father always hears your Savior? When he intercedes for you, the Father always hears him. Doesn't that let you rest? The Father is not going to forgive me on account of something I did. It's because he always hears the Son. I'm thankful, aren't you? All right now, last, look back at Matthew again. Matthew chapter 26. Our Savior gives thanks for his sacrifice, for his broken body and his shed blood. That's what we're come to remember tonight. Now, Matthew 26, verse 17. Now, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread was come, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we should prepare for thee to eat the Passover? He said unto them, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them. And they made ready the Passover. And when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it's written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take eat. This is my body. 
And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission, for, for many, for the remission of sins. Now this is the last Passover. And this is the last one because the next day, Christ, the Lamb of God, is going to be sacrificed for the sin of his people. The Lamb of God. John the Baptist, that's how he first identified him. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now the day's come. That he would be sacrificed as the Passover Lamb. The Father's going to pass over the sin of his elect because Christ, his blood had been shed to take that sin away. There's going to be no more need of the picture now. Now that the actual has come and been, and been slain. And as the Savior was eating that last Passover, and as we read to open the, the service, he had great desire. He'd been looking forward to this night to eat the last Passover with his disciples. And he told them, before he instituted the first Lord's table, he told them, one of you twelve, you've been with me for three and a half years. We've been close friends. You're my disciples. I've taught you how close that they'd been. He said, one of you is going to betray me so that I'll be taken and crucified. Now the Lord said, I'm going as it's written. This is, this is my Father's will. This is my Father's eternal will. I'm not bucking against it. But he did say it'd been better for that man if he'd never been born. This was still emotionally crushing to the heart of the Savior. Someone who seemed to be his friend. Long time. Betrayed him. If that's ever happened to you, you know how much that hurts. And the Lord still gave thanks. Now you think of that. At that time, he's going to be betrayed. He knows it. He knows how... He gave thanks. And he knows what's going to come of this betrayal. He knows the suffering that he's going to go through. None, none of it's going to be a surprise to him. He knows it. You know why he knows it? It's his will. It's his will that will be carried out. That his body will be broken under the rod of God's justice. He gave his back to the smiters. He gave his face to those that would pluck out his beard. He gave his face to those that would spit on him. He gave his body to be pierced. His hands and his feet to be nailed to the... He gave his body to be broken that way. The disciples had no idea, but the Savior did. When he took that loaf of unleavened bread and started breaking it. What did that mean? The Savior knew. He broke it. This is how his body will be broken. And he turned and gave it to his disciples and take eat. This is my body. This is a picture of how my sacrifice is going to put your sin away. This is, a, this is the picture of how you're going to be saved from my father's justice. I'm going to bear it for you. I'm going to be broken for you so that you won't be. He knew the unimaginable physical agony that was coming. And he gave thanks. He gave thanks. Because this is the only way his sinful people could be saved. When was the last time? You just think of the time in your life you've been in the most pain. 
Did it ever cross your mind to say thank you for this pain? The Savior knew what was coming and gave thanks because He loves His people. And He gave thanks for His blood. The blood that would be shed for the propitiation of the sin of His people. He would make His soul an offering for sin. And He would take His blood behind the veil into the very presence of the Father. Just like the high priest on the Day of Atonement would take the blood of an animal, go behind the veil into the presence of God, sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. Here the Son's going to take His blood before the Father. Oh, the agony of that. To make His soul an offering for sin. And He gave thanks. He gave thanks. Because this is the only way the sin of the people that he loves could be forgiven. The only way the people he loves could be washed white as snow. Could have those robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. And be in his presence forever is if his blood is shed. And his blood is applied. Now you think he gave thanks. Now in a few moments, the men are going to distribute the bread. And before we eat it, we'll give thanks. Just like our Savior did this first night, the night of the very first Passover, the first Lord's table. We'll give thanks. We'll take that bread and we'll eat it. Thankfully. When we take that bread and eat it, what we're saying is, my only hope that I'm not condemned in the judgment is Christ my substitute was already crushed for me. When he was crushed, he satisfied God's justice for me, so I'll not be condemned. When you're holding that wafer in your hand, you think of that. And when you eat it, you'll be thankful. The Savior was crushed, so I won't be. And we take the wine, we'll stop and we'll give thanks. Because when we're drinking that wine, this is our confession. It's a confession of faith. My faith is in Christ. The only hope I have that my sin would be forgiven is Christ shed his blood for me. He did it on purpose for me. Now that gives you a good hope, doesn't it? You think about that. This is not just a, a ceremony we're going through. We'll get this over quickly so we can go home and get ready for Thanksgiving. This is the blood of Christ we're picturing here. This is a confession of my faith in him that his blood is all it takes to put my sin away. If we think of it that way, I'm telling you, we'll, we'll be thankful when we, when we take it. See, I saved this last one because we're, I mean, we're getting ready to observe the Lord's table. I want this fresh on our mind when, when we observe it. But this sacrifice of Christ is the foundation of everything else that the Savior gave thanks for. Since he sacrificed, there's blood to apply to those babes. <laughs> They don't know nothing. They can't do nothing to save themselves since the blood of Christ has, has been shed. There's a sacrifice for them, for those babes. Since Christ is sacrificed, there's a good news of the gospel to preach to hungry sinners. It's the sacrifice of Christ. Come feast. He's all you need. Since Christ was sacrificed, that's the reason we know the Father will always hear His Son. It's because of his blood. Because the sacrifice of Christ satisfied the Father. Now when I think of that. 
I can't think of a better reason to be thankful. Can you? All right. Wayne, if you would, you, you may distribute the bread.